a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Into the Yards After College podcast powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Kyle Ireland, and it's already draft time, guys. It's crazy how fast that this offseason has flown by. It seems like, you know, three weeks ago, it feels like we were watching BYU play Coastal Carolina. Now we're talking about Zach Wilson going in the top two of the NFL draft. And to join me to discuss the NFL draft, which is coming up on April 29th tomorrow, is our BYU insider from Cougar Sports Saturday, Matt Biamonte. Matt, how are you doing today? Welcome back to the uh, podcast. I'm doing pretty good. I got to be honest, I'm a little frustrated at the weather in the state of Utah. It's uh, it's It looks nice outside, but the wind, it's a little chilly. A- April's always a month in, in Utah, Kyle, where you get teased at, at summer weather, and then in comes the rain, which we need. I'm not complaining about the rain. But you got the wind, you got the cold front, so that uh, that has me a little frustrated. But other than that, I'm super stoked for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, I wish that, you know, what was it? You were in Hawaii like two months ago. Like, I can't even say that. I've been in Utah this entire time. The pandemic has <laughs> locked me down. So at least you were able to get out for a minute. I, uh, I'm jealous of that. But I wanted to have you on today, Matt, because, you know, we've been talking about Zach Wilson with the Jets now for – I don't know, it seems like four or five weeks where it's been pretty steady. Hey, Zach Wilson is locked in after Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Zach's going number two to the New York Jets. Do you do you fully believe that he's locked in at number two? Because I know that you're not a huge proponent of him going to New York. Like, is there an inkling, you know, where you're just like, I hope that like that 1% chance that he's not going to New York comes true, like, you know, New York surprises everybody and they like take Penny Sewell or something like that. I mean, they traded away their quarterback, but like, <laughs> you know, like, do they trade, you know, take Trey Lance? Like, could they just like blow us away here? No, they're not going to blow us away. They're, they're taking Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm rooting for that 1% chance to happen because there's a lot of stats and facts about the NFL draft in recent years. One of, one of which being the second pick at the quarterback position in the past five, 10 years has not panned out. So we're, we're talking about Carson Wentz was there. He's now with your uh, Indianapolis Colts. And so we'll have to see how that pans out. I like that he's being reunited with uh, Frank Reich in Indianapolis. So we'll have to see how that goes, but there's, there's been a, a few number two. I, I'm struggling to remember some more. So you might have to refresh. Uh, my Mitch memory, Trubisky. It was another Mitch one. Trubisky was two. Yeah. Um, there's a Marcus Mariota. That's the other one. So 
there's quite a few guys at number two that haven't panned out. And a lot of the time, these guys just go to situations that are hard. And so that's why I look at the Jets. Here's the pros and cons with the Jets, Kyle. Con is, is the Jets, and they've had a lot of talented quarterbacks go there. Sam Darnold, Chad Pennington, uh, to name a few, that haven't panned out. And the Jets have been a mess for decades. Um, Mark Sanchez showed up. They went to a couple AFC championship games. Things got weird in the front office. And uh, next thing you know, butt fumbles happening. And then now he's a broadcaster. So the Jets have, have really hurt a lot of quarterbacks' careers. And that worries me because Zach Wilson is incredibly talented. But by no means would you consider Zach Wilson in the same class as a as a Trevor Lawrence or an Andrew Luck. Is that fair? Those, those are guys that are, you think, doesn't matter where they go, they're going to succeed. And I think Zach is a level below that, which is crazy potential, super talented, but has to get into the right situation. So to come to my pro now, Kyle, the pro is it's a new GM in his second year. It's a new coaching staff. So they're going to be fully invested in him. He's not going to a place where he – they all the people that invested into him are gone and now he's got to make it work with a different group that's not this not the scenario and then kind of along with that the jets have so many draft picks from previous trades that team's going to be young that team's going to be talented they have the most first second and third round picks in the next two years as any team in the nfl so he's going to have high caliber college athletes playing with him so i love all of that but does it supersede the jets for me no it doesn't so you look at these teams because it, it i mean unless you're patrick mahomes where you just kind of luck into kansas city trading up in the draft and then you know you sit a year behind alex smith and you, you get your feet wet in practice but you're you're not really in the limelight yet and then you kind of get thrust in after a year of being able to learn the nfl you know, unless you're in that perfect kind of scenario, a lot of these high profile quarterbacks come in, like you mentioned, they're on terrible teams because those are the teams that are at the top of the draft. And then yep. they don't have the infrastructure around them to really succeed early on in their careers. And I mean, Sam Darnold gets shipped off. I think that he's going to be way more successful in Carolina because he has more weapons. I mean, he can hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey. He can dump it off to McCaffrey out of the backfield. He's got some wet weapons. I mean, you couldn't even tell me who one of his Jets wide receivers were from the last three years, and I would recognize the name. Whereas, <laughs> you know, he, he's going to have some more guys with him in Carolina. So you bring up all these draft picks that they have coming in. I just am wondering, you, you brought up some optimism, but then you also have, you started off with the pessimism. Do you lean more towards the optimism or the pessimism with Zach Wilson going to the Jets? Is it going to be where, you know, that mountain is just going to be too high and too hard to climb? Or do you think that because he's got, you know, a new offensive coordinator who's coming in with, you know, we all are fans of Kyle Shanahan and, you know, things that San Francisco has been able to do with under him. Do you think that, you know, coming in from a similar system, like those types of things, the, the future is bright because, you know, there's there's some light on the horizon or is it just going to be too hard to overcome? This might not make for good radio, good podcasting. I well, feel it's like a good it's- thing we're <laughs> podcasting because, you know, I agree with the radio <laughs> part here. That's the beautiful part about this. Like if we messed up, we could edit it out. I, I think that this is great stuff. So, you know, give me whatever you got. 
I think it's dead in the middle. Um, and the only reason, the reason I even say that rather than saying I'm pessimistic about it is because of the new coaching staff and, and Joe Douglas, the Jets GM. I think that gives him a chance. However, if he had gone to another team, like let's say Atlanta or San Francisco, I'm totally optimistic that he's going to work out there because in Atlanta, he'd probably sit for a year, maybe two, and get acclimated, let it become a full-time job, film, watch from the sideline. In San Francisco, that team was in the Super Bowl two years ago. There's a lot of talent there, so it wouldn't be on him to make things happen. I think he, he'd be more than a game manager there, but you get where I'm going with it. So I'd say I'm dead in the middle right now and it will his success will largely depend on how good this draft is and how good next year's draft is and if they're if the jets have good to great drafts he's going to work in new york and it's going to and it's all going to work out if they swing and miss because the jets here's a little interesting tidbit for you the jets don't have anyone on their roster that they picked prior to 2017 so they don't have a lot of great drafts in the past 10 years to where those guys are still there. I mean, they've taken some good guys, but they trade them away or they leave. Jamal Adams traded to Seattle. So I think it's dead in the middle how it's going to pan out in New York. But the good thing for him is because of the new GM, the new coaching staff, and I say this often because it matters, the, the window of time is at least two years where in some cases it's only one. So he's got two years, I think, to really show that he is a good quarterback, and then they'll continue to build around him. But if things go south immediately, and I don't think they will, but if they do, you know, after two years, those conversations start to happen inside front offices. Is this the right – I mean, that was the chatter with Sam Darnold after year one. Is this guy the right guy? They get him a new coach probably the wrong coach, Adam Gase, not a lot of improvement, and then he's traded. So, But because of that new coaching staff, I do think he has a better chance than you would have thought he could have had going to a place like the Jets. What do you think success looks like for him? I mean, does he have to – does Zach have to lead the Jets to, you know, four or five wins after, you know, getting the number two pick this year? Like – do they need to be near the, you know, number 10 pick next year? What, what kind of is success year one, year two for him where they say, okay, we can continue to build around this guy. And it's not just Sam Darnold 2.0. It's not Mark Sanchez 2.0. You know, I mean, I, I shouldn't even say Mark Sanchez because you got to AFC title games with him, but you know, Sam Darnold, like this new era of, of NFL football where, you have to really produce quickly. You have to be able to be fighting for playoff spots within your first couple of years. Does Zach need to, you know, have the the Jets on the verge of the playoffs by year two, year three? Yeah, well, yeah, but, but certainly by year three, they've they've got to be in the playoffs. I think for him to to be that guy who signs a huge deal, rather than being in the situation that Baker Mayfield finds him in, where the Browns. I think reluctantly pick up his fifth year option, but he's still, he needs to put together another good year if he's going to get paid. So if he wants to be locked in as the future Jets quarterback, he's got to make the playoffs within the first three years for this year. I think if they win three to four games and he surpasses Sam Darnold stats from last year, 
meaning he's got to complete more than 60% of his passes. He's got to throw for over 2,200 yards, and he has to have a better touchdown to interception ratio. Then I think Jets fans will feel like we've got something here. Like we're really happy with this pick. Anything similar to that, I think you're going to hear Jets fans complain. Why do we get rid of Darnold? We could have used this pick in another. Just the NFL. It is not a patient league, man. It's 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 not like other leagues where, you know, I think about baseball. There's a lot of time for those guys to kind of develop and show what they have when you're a high draft pick. Football, it's not that way. You're especially at number two. You've got to hit the ground running. So this is an important year for him. Luckily, Sam Darnold's numbers last year aren't very good. He threw 11 interceptions and nine touchdowns. So if he can be in the positive ratio, I think that will will help him win over the fan base. But it, it's going to be hard. The Jets' offensive line is not very good. They don't have a tight end right now that I think is is uh, a weapon for him. So and, and a running back. They 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 need weapons on the offensive side of the football, and they're going to have to address that in the draft. So it's going to be interesting to see what New York surrounds him with in terms of offensive skill weapons and offensive line help in this year's draft. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. One last question for you on Zach before I wanted to move on to some other BYU guys. Do you think that this, I mean, you talk about him going from, you know, Corner Canyon, he's just a local kid coming to BYU, not too far away from home. Uh, you talk about Sam Darnold, he, he went to USC. I mean, he was, I mean, the NFL, as much as it is, you know, they have two NFL teams there. That's a USC town in Los Angeles. And so, you know, he's the main football star in college there in, in LA and then becomes, you know, the quarterback for the, the New York jets, you know, the biggest market in the, in the country. Do you think that there's, you know, going to be a hard transition there off the field for Zach? Because I mean, we've, we've even put out a graphic on KSL sports, Broadway, Zach, you know, like, is that limelight off the field going to be hard for Zach to, you know, deal with? I mean, he's a pretty confident kid, but do you think that, you know, like other Jets quarterbacks in the past, that that will be hard to deal with, hard to overcome for him? I don't think so. I think of all the concerns you may have, I think that's at the bottom of the list. I think I think being a POU quarterback is good training for that because there's a lot of skepticism. Uh, at the end of his sophomore year, fans were emailing offensive uh, you know, quarterbacks coach, now current offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, to not have him be the quarterback before his 2020 year in which he 
explodes and is now going to be the number two pick. So I think he's, he's going to totally handle that. He's always been great with the media. He's well-spoken and something that I think you can't dispute about Zach Wilson is that he wants to be great. He's going to put in the work. He's going to study film. Unfortunately in the NFL, that's not always what matters in terms of success. It certainly helps, but there's, I think there's no concerns with he's going to put in the work. He's not going to be bothered by the media. He's going to do his thing. Now the question is, can the Jets stabilize the franchise and provide him with the talent that Sam Darnold did not have? And if they do that, I think he'll be successful. So you put out a piece after BYU's Pro Day, uh, what was it, a month ago now, March 28th. And uh, you wrote a piece for kslsports.com. You can go ahead and check that out there if you're listening to the podcast. It was called Five BYU Players Received NFL Draft Grades from Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah, of course, former NFL scout now with NFL Network. But uh, you've got some guys here that I wanted to talk about aside from Zach Wilson. We all know that he's going to be taken. And then the next guy seemingly – you know, projected to to land during the NFL draft is Brady Christensen, who had a ridiculous pro day at BYU. What do you think of Brady Christensen and where do you think he's going to land in the NFL draft? As far as places go, Kyle, that I think Brady Christensen would be a good fit. One of those is the LA Rams. They have an old left tackle and Andrew Whitworth who suffered a an injury last year. So he could probably not start this year at left tackle but he could be viewed as a long-term left tackle for Matt Stafford. And they have a need for offensive linemen. Their center signed with Kansas city. So they're looking for guys who can play immediately. I know that's what Brady wants. And I think Brady's good enough to do that. Another place besides the jets, because you see his name a lot with the jets, just because he played with Zach. The problem is the jets have a left tackle and they drafted him last year in Makai Becton out of Alabama. So he can play multiple positions, but I know he wants to be a left tackle. And I think that he proved in college that he can be one. So outside of the Rams, I think another place that would be interesting for Brady is the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, I I know that they've made some moves in the offensive line, but they're a little older there. um, And that's a a ready-made team and they need to protect Patrick Mahomes for the long, you know, for the long haul. And you can't deny that BOU connection with Andy Reid. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs used a second or third round pick on Brady Christensen. So you've got in this piece that you put up, you've got Matt Bushman also listed there by uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Chris Wilcox and Dax Milne as the other three players aside from Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen. Do you think that all three of those guys, one of those guys, two of those guys, you know, like none of them, like what would you say are the likelihoods of each of those guys kind of getting drafted this weekend? I think it's so hard because there's so many guys in the past that I thought were good enough late round guys. Even like last year, I felt like Dine Gunwalaku could have been a sixth or seventh round pick. And for whatever reason, BYU guys in the last decade just – haven't been picked up late. And this is a conversation for another day, Kyle, but you can argue that's it's probably a good thing. When you're in the sixth or seventh round, you're fighting with preferred free agents anyways. But to answer your question, I'd say I'd say Dax Milne 
is going to get drafted in the late rounds. I think Matt Bushman will, though I wouldn't be surprised if the injury scares him away and he becomes a free agent. But he'll have an opportunity to make a team. I would select Matt Bushman in a second. I'm not worried about the injury at all after seeing what he did at Pro Day. Chris Wilcox is another guy because he has those physical tools. So much about the late rounds in the NFL draft is projection-based. You know, they're, Oftentimes they're viewed as a project with a high upside. With That's Chris Wilcox. Uh, he's had some injuries, but he, he runs a sub 4'4". Four, four. He's over six feet tall. So Chris Wilcox is a dude that I think will get drafted. And then on the edge, fringe type guys, I think it's Kyrus Tonga and Chandon Herring, another offensive lineman who I think would be viewed as a project, but just has ridiculous physical tools. So however it's, you slice it and dice it, BOU is going to have the most guys drafted that they've had in a long time, which is great for the program. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty crazy to think, of how little success BYU has had in the last decade plus of putting guys into the league. And then all of a sudden one year comes around and you have a top two pick and you've got a bunch of other guys that, you know, kind of built BYU up to. And I think that this is something that, you know, Kalani Satake talked about even a couple of years ago, right? If, Hey, we're going to have some guys to go into the league after suffering that bad season a few years ago, but then, you know, those guys, got playing time as freshman and sophomore and you see what they did as upperclassmen and went in 11 games last season. Um, what do you think as far as those undrafted free agent guys, do you think that there's going to be one guy here that signs an undrafted free agent deal that's going to stick into the league and be one of those guys like a, you know, a Daniel Sorensen where we're talking about him in the league for a couple of years, at least. If it's any of those guys we've already discussed who maybe slip out of the fifth, sixth, seventh round, I think all of them will at least be on a practice squad. I think all of those guys are NFL guys. Of the people we haven't discussed, the one guy I think who can really make a team and follow the Daniel Sorensen route is Zane Anderson. Uh, He he runs a a 4-4, and he even said in a recent interview, during training, he was running sub four, four. So that's just ridiculous speed. He's played multiple positions. And I think where he can make a roster is he was an excellent special teams guy, just like Daniel Sorensen. In a lot of ways, I think he'll follow the Daniel Sorensen path where he's a little old and the injuries will prevent him from being drafted, but he will make a team because of his willingness to do the dirty work on a football team. So Zane Anderson is that guy that I think has a great chance to stick in the league. Last question before I set you loose, Matt, this one kind of going back to Zach Wilson a little bit, but more NFL draft in general, we've got, you know, five guys, potentially quarterbacks, you know, going to be taken in the first round here. When we're talking about things five years from now, 10 years from now, who's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft class? You know, do you, do you really believe that Zach Wilson could be that guy or is it going to be Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, you know, one of those other guys. That's a hard question to answer without knowing where everyone is. I, I think we know where Lawrence and Wilson will go. So I'll, I'll probably stick to that. However, if fields were to go to San Francisco, you could make a case just because of the stability of that franchise and the talent they have that he might be that guy. But with what we know prior to the draft, I would say Lawrence is the guy. I I think Jacksonville just has more talent. They have more talent right now, and they have have a better coaching staff. Uh, I like the Jets coaching staff. 
but they're unproven. Uh, it's a first-year NFL coach who's a defensive coach. They have a first-time offensive coordinator who comes from Shanahan, but if the Patriots have taught us anything, Kyle, it's that proximity to greatness does not mean greatness. <laughs> so just because uh, LaFleur worked for Shanahan, that doesn't mean you're getting Shanahan. It might. I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying you can't assume that where you look at Jacksonville, they've got Daryl Bevel. Uh, that guy, you know, however you feel about him as a BYU fan, you can't deny that he's been a successful offensive coordinator leading the Seahawks to a Super Bowl win as the uh, calling the plays with Russell Wilson. Urban Meyer, he may or may not work in the NFL, but you can't deny that he's a good head coach. If you choose Urban Meyer or Robert Sala, I think most people would choose Urban Meyer. So uh, five years from now, I think it will be Trevor Lawrence, but that doesn't mean that Zach Wilson is going to turn out to be Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think he has a good chance of succeeding in New York. Like I said earlier, I think it it will depend on how the Jets surround him with talent. But um, five years, I'd say Trevor, based on kind of where they're going to land in this upcoming NFL draft. He's the one and only Matt Biamonte. You can catch him every Saturday on Cougar Sports Saturday, KSL News Radio, 1160 AM, 102.7 FM. You can catch it on the app as well. Noon to three on Saturdays. He's going to be breaking down some hot takes this weekend, I'm sure, about the NFL draft. But uh, it's surprising, Matt. Usually you and I disagree on our takes. For some reason, we've done that for the last five years, but I agreed with almost everything you said today. <laughs> that is a surprise. Keep Bookmark this podcast for all time, the time that Sounds, you and I got yeah. along. Sounds good. I might have to actually do that, so that way we can reference some time where we actually came together and we were like, oh, yeah, we actually had the same opinion there. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Kyle. I'm always happy to jump on. Yep. You can call, uh, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Biamonte Matt. Again, catch him on Cougar Sports Saturday. We'll be back again on the podcast next week to be able to discuss all of these NFL draft picks from the state of Utah. Until then, be sure to check out kslsports.com and subscribe to the Yards After College podcast wherever you get your podcasts.